3: Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value.
4: Hello, my lovely human beings. I'm Ray Harkins. You're listening to 100 Words or Less, the podcast, which I actually just got another question for recently because you know people are like hey why'd you name the show that way it was a joke it was a joke originally because uh you know back in the civil war era oh i'm just joking about that but back in school like maybe you know when i was in elementary school you would get an assignment to say a 100 words or less summarize this particular thing so it would be all about you know your strength in editing and being very concise and uh, I was never good at that. And so I thought it was funny to name it this. And anyways, so here we are with the show, 100 Words or Less. <laughs> so people that appear on the show occasionally are like, hey, is this going to be a really short podcast? And I'm like, no, 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 no. it's it's not that. So anyways, just to you know, clear up the notions of why this is named this. It's, it has nothing to do with music, the actual title of the show. But the show itself has everything to do with music of the DIY variety, whether it's punk, metal, hardcore, indie rock, whatever you want to call it. As long as it exists in that, uh, you know, ecosystem of sort of weirdos and outside the mainstream world, that's what we travel in. And, uh, I hope you're doing okay. I'll ask you a little, a few more follow up questions on that in a moment. But we have Justine Jones from Employed to Serve and an awesome record label over in the UK called Holy Roar Records. Uh, I've been a fan of her band and what she's been doing for quite some time. I got keyed into. Employed to serve, I want to say via my close friend Mike Minick, the vocalist of Curl Up and Die, uh, or someone else—I can't remember. It's it, it, you know these things blend together when you're old. But uh, love the band, and uh, yeah, Justine reached out to me on Instagram and was like, "Hey, fan of your show," and I'm like, "Well, funny enough, I'm a fan of you. Let's have you on the show." So we did. We actually recorded, I want to say, a couple of weeks ago. So it was definitely in the pandemic era, but uh, we don't address that because uh, you know when we're doing these discussions. I don't really want to uh, harp on that and because, you know, these conversations are meant to be evergreen in many respects. So, But anyways, uh, yeah, that's who we got this week. And uh, you, you, the listener, you can email the show, 100 podcast at gmail.com always. And if you'd like to support the show, you can always leave a rating and review on any of your favorite podcast catchers, whether that's Overcast, Apple podcast, you can't leave a review on Spotify, but, um, you know, Stitcher, you can leave reviews and star ratings. So that is free. It will take you zero, like, well, I was going to say zero time. It'll take you less than a minute to do that. And it helps out the show tremendously. But the best thing you can do is spread the word via social media, whether that's tagging your guests or the guest on this show, whether it's just letting friends know that is how this show grows. Frankly, that's like the best way, you know, when you ask your friend, like, Hey, what podcast are you listening to? You can mention this along the, you know, myriad of others that you listen to. So I would appreciate that immensely. And, uh, yeah, cause you know, I'm just, I want to make sure that this, this show gets in the right ears of the right people. You know what I'm saying? So anyways, uh, yeah. How are you? I'm existing <laughs> through this, this weirdness that obviously we're all existing in. And someone said, I think it's like either six or seven weeks that we've been doing this. And, um, Yeah, it feels like it's been forever, but then it also feels like it's just started. And I don't know, time collapses in and on itself. And, uh, you know, I hope that you're getting some peace of mind in certain areas, whether that's, uh, you know, movies, music, whatever it is that gives you that joy. Hold on to it and keep holding on to it. So please do that. And, uh, yeah, let's just dive in with Justine. She was a great chat. Uh, it was one nice nice Sunday morning or Saturday morning. I can't remember exactly, but uh, it was a great chat. So here's Justine right now.) certain that uh my friend mike showed me you guys uh mike from curl up and die <laughs> who was like hey oh, yeah. yeah he was like hey this band is really good you would like them and uh i think it was yeah the warmth of a dying sun and it, i always love getting exposed to bands that just like you know knock my socks back where i'm just like oh my gosh like where? how have i not heard of this band before like you seem so fully formed and like ready to take over and it always seems like there's bands from the UK in particular that that do that. Like, I mean, you know, you guys, like, you know, Frontiers, like just these bands that, I don't know, they come out of nowhere for me personally being, you know, from the United States. And I, I just always seem to find bands from the UK that kind of do that. And even though the US pays attention to bands from the UK, I still think there's this really, really weird divide where people don't pay as close of attention as they should from stuff that's coming out from the UK. I don't know if you... I'm sure you have feelings on that, but I don't know if you've noticed that or if that's something that just, you know, you don't even think about.
0: Um, I guess it's hard because um, obviously, like, you, uh, America is so huge that I think it's probably quite hard to sort of, like, tune into, like, bands anyway. So, like, on top of the fact that, like, we're overseas um, and, like, a small country, I, I guess it kind of is kind of hard to sort of, like, fight through the noise of other bands. Um, but in terms of like, uh, UK bands, like sounding fully formed, I guess it's just because, um, it takes a while for sort of like us press and, and like, uh, Spotify playlists and like Apple music playlists to pick up on UK bands.
4: Right. Right. Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, it's to say like I worked for years at Century Media and it was one of those things like signing architects and like trying to get them exposed to the States was like, the most difficult task possible <laughs> like it was for, yeah. for years of just being like listen this band is really good you need to listen to hollow crown and people just being like yeah it's okay <laughs> it's like no but trust me this is good and it just it took forever but then it finally you know it happens um through hard work and perseverance but yeah it's just i don't know it's weird because it just seems like yeah to your point america is huge but you know there is so much interesting and good stuff that comes out from other places that um yeah I guess you just have to work that much harder to <laughs> make people pay attention I guess
0: oh yeah for sure yeah I, architects are such a sick band for sure like um yeah it's just it's just really interesting sort of like hearing it from your perspective because obviously I only know it from mine and um, with the UK we're very very much keyed into like what America's doing um I think like uh, there's loads of like things right out right now that's really good for like ke- uh, staying like keyed in. Like I find like Bandcamp really useful, um, and same with like Spotify playlists. I actually think like their algorithms are um, like improved massively. And like every Friday, I can go on like the new release radar and like all the new stuff. Like keyed into my like interest is just like already there. Um, but that's the kind of thing I guess like with my job, um, and I sort of like uh, I guess write for Kerrang. Uh, it's kind of my job to sort of stay keyed in. So, I guess like it's kind of hard to sort of separate myself from that.
4: <laughs> no, it is true. And I, I think that, you know, when y- it is your, uh, you know, quote unquote job to pay attention, um, you know, I, I think that, you know, even though if you may move away from that in some capacity, you know, whatever, you're, you know, not playing in a band anymore or, you know, you're not doing things that are like directly connected to it. It does take, you know, more work to pay attention to it. And I use the word work in air quotes because, you know, <laughs> working to keep up with new music is not work, but, <laughs> no,
0: not sure, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, uh.
4: to, but yeah, to your point, I mean, it, it is interesting. The, um, the, the, the way that music is delivered to people because, you know, you can listen to stuff and be really into it, but you know, if you don't, I guess, I guess if you're not taking like a deeper dive, you'd be like, oh yeah, the, you know, employee to serve is, is great. But they like no one would maybe even look at where you were from, you know?
0: Yeah, for sure. And I suppose like uh to sort of like kind of delve in deeper there, it's like I find uh, bands, especially in sort of like hardcore scenes and adjacent scenes, I think they're really good at yelling about their friends' bands are really good. Like uh, say for example, us, we always kinda like champion like Venom Prison or Conjurer and bands like that. And I think it's the same for stateside bands. So I suppose like once you kind of like get into one of those bands you kind of almost scratch the surface and then kind of and if you're like a nerdy person like I am you can kind of deep dive in it all.
4: No that's true i I didn't think about I uh, you know a lot of people that are whatever I'm almost forty years old, so they're you know I'm ancient by all stretches of the hardcore imagination, but uh, you know a, a lot of people complain about the loss of sort of regionality with bands, you know where it's like oh yeah, especially in the states, you know people could live in you know five different parts of the country and you know fly into like practice i mean of course that's like you know uh, at a much later stage in the band's life or whatever. But to your point, there is that regionality that happens just by, you know, oh yeah, like there's these bands that live two hours around us and then we start to shout each other out and wear each other's shirts and stuff like that. So that does, you know, lead one person to another band or whatever.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure.
4: As opposed to, um, yeah, you you just, you know, identify with a particular like, oh yeah, I'm, you know, really into the Washington DC hardcore scene or whatever. It's like that that can happen through different ways rather than just like knowing where all the bands are from at all times.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely.
4: Yeah. Um, and so kind of putting the the, the focus squarely on you, um, you know, born and raised, I presume in the UK and what, what town in particular?
0: Uh, so I live in a small town called Woking just outside London. Um, we are famous for HG Wells, uh, who wrote war of the worlds.
5: Yes. Um yeah.
0: What else have we got near us? Uh, Paul Weller is from here. Nice. Um, and down the road in Alton is, I think, Jane Austen. Okay. I might be wrong. Yeah. But yeah, we've got, we've got, we've got rolling hills um, and a lot of trees. Uh, so a lot of bands come out of here because there's not too much going on.
4: Right. And I think it's so interesting for people that have never, um, you know, traveled to uh, that part of the world, that it's so, you know, I mean, so many people just automatically think of, you know, London and the bustling metropolis. And then, you know, you drive like whatever, literally a half an hour outside the city. And then you're in like, you know, the pastoral countryside and stuff like that. And to have bands come from, you know, rural areas, like, yes, of course it happens in America, but it happens more often than not (laughs) in the UK. It happens (laughs) all the time, you know? And so do you think that is just because of the I guess the, the maybe, you know, boredom and lack of things to do.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. And like the, the wonderful thing about England is that uh, it's like you said, like you drive an hour in any direction and you, you'll you get something different. Like I can drive an hour and I'll be by the seaside in Brighton. Um, you know, I can go to the mountains in Scotland within six hours. Um, so it's very different from the, uh, from the US, I think in that respect. Um, but yeah, like it's, I think there is like a lot of sort of boredom and, especially in like, um, our sort of provincial towns, like Woking, you just, a lot of, uh, a lot of teenagers kind of hit 14, get bored and start drinking in the local park. <laughs> right. So <laughs> yeah, well. I'm sure there's other things to do with Netflix and that now, but when I, when I was 14, that is what we did. Right. <laughs> and
4: and it, it is, and, uh, because the, um, culture of that particular area of the world too, you know, drinking is, I mean, drinking is pervasive in America too, but you know, it just has seemed to always be, um, you know, a part of that country in general. So it makes sense that it's like, oh yeah, the moment that I could even try to find alcohol, like I will just cause I'm bored.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. Like it's, it's so ridiculous. Like you, you spend, <laughs> you spend most of uh, the week trying to like steal drinks from your parents and then you have like one can and, and one cigarette between like six of you. And you always sit in a circle, <laughs> taking sips and passing. Go, oh, this is gross. I mean, this is great. Yeah, give me another. And like, you, you spend about three years hating alcohol.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I love that that idea of you know yeah, it's just like a group of friends and people are you know siphoning things off from their parents and then just you know hating whatever it is that they're consuming. But they're like, no, but this is cool, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. So like, I had a um, I had a friend who stole. Uh, it was either wine or vodka from his mum. And he thought that if he drank it and then returned it, but filled it up with water and put it back in the drinks cabinet, his mum wouldn't notice. Um, <laughs>
4: <laughs> I love that.
0: His 14 year old brain is like, yeah, this will work. Yeah, totally. <laughs> this is,
4: that's what I like to call kid logic. It's beautiful. <laughs> You're like, it looks the same as vodka, so it's fine. and so you uh what was your family structure like you know brothers and sisters mom and dad in the house how did that look
0: yeah so i have a younger brother who's actually just got into hardcore and stuff um which is really sick because i go to shows with him which is nice he actually goes to shows i didn't even hear about so that's cool uh he's like my sort of uh finger on the pulse for that um and uh yeah yeah my, my my mom and dad divorced um classic uh yeah they've they've so they've been around my whole life
4: though how uh how old were you when they separated
0: um how old was i i think they they, they've been on and off and since i was about six years old but i think they got like officially divorced when i was i want to say 15
4: oh okay so but were they were they both in the same house as you were kind of growing up or were you having to do like you know separate visitations or whatever
0: uh, kind of. So, like, um, my dad did a couple of, um, I guess tours in Afghanistan when he, because he's a he was a police officer for London, um, and he he would go out to um train Afghan police, um, and so yeah, he did that. Like, so he was away quite a lot, and then he'd do night shifts. So it was kind of this weird shift system. Um, and yeah, and I, I'd live with like, I lived with my grandparents for a little bit and yeah, like it's, it's nothing like, you know, I got on with them really well and it's just sort of like classic sort of, uh, two thousands and tens kind of families really.
4: Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I mean d- divorce, whatever, you know, I think the divorce rate across the entire world is 50%. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or maybe that's just in America, but yeah.
0: Uh, Yeah. I always found it funny when like, well, not funny, but like weird when um, I had my friends where they have both their parents together. I was like, wow, that's so rare. It was almost sort of like a shiny card.
4: (laughs) I I know it's true. And I mean, I, you know, I I have many conversations with people, you know, about their family backgrounds and like it, it is so interesting to when people are just like, Oh, yeah, my parents have been together for like 30 years, and it's just like, Oh, oh, wow, okay, that's not. I come from divorce, and like many of my f- friends come from divorce, and it's just like, Oh, yeah, that's uh, there are people that do kind of get through that, you know. And, and yeah, stay together. Like,
0: Man, Where'd you get your lyrical inspiration from if your parents weren't divorced? Totally, <laughs> where totally. angst from?
4: Right, right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, t- talking about your experience of you know, liking your mom and hating your dad, or vice versa, or whatever.
0: Yeah, you can't. We can't. I suppose you could be in a PMA hardcore band. Um, true, true. That's, true. that's, that's maybe they—they they are full of uh, together parents.
4: Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's a big study. I know that, that that would be a very interesting sociological study of just being like, okay, how sonically speaking, if you were to go through divorce, what would you sound like versus pairs that <laughs> yeah. stay together?
5: The show is sponsored by BetterHelp.
1: it's got standard third row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
4: Rockabilia.com is the place where you need to buy all of your band merch in this quarantine and frankly, out of quarantine. Use this code PC100Words that gets you 15% off your order. The company is incredible. They've been, you know, operating at full strength during this whole crisis, shipping out merch to you, shipping out puzzles. I ordered a puzzle from them recently, and I was so happy to receive it because you can't get puzzles anywhere right now. I don't know if you knew that, but they also have tons of stuff to outfit yourself for for this impending summer. You know, you got to get your, your short sleeve shirt game on point. You got to find your favorite band's merch, and it's all officially licensed. The bands get paid. You're supporting an independent business. There's so many positive things that you get from this transaction. Better than you know these horrible bootlegs that you see on Amazon, or if you're just simply Google, you know, insert band name here, band merch, you're going to get horrible results. Rockabilia.com, PC 100 words, gets you 15% off your order. Order it up right now, and be thankful that you can order this band merch and get a discount on it, okay? So support the scene, support the bands, and support independent business. Thank you, Rockapelia. Yeah, that sounds like a heavy job that your your dad had. From that perspective, because that's not uh, yeah going to train the Afghan police. That's like a that's a that's a pretty uh, intense experience, I'm sure.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. Like it's so funny because when I was like growing up, I was like, Dad, why are you so like I don't know like miserable? And I kind of like as I've grown up, I've kind of sympathized with him way more because like I get really moody like traveling into central London because like the commute about is just. Just, like, I'm sure it's, like, that everywhere in the world where everyone's just, like, miserable. But with his job, like, for... So he was London police, so he would deal with, like, the worst people every single night. And then, like, he would... I think he was in the army before that. So he's just kind of chosen these jobs that are just, like, oh, what what, what can I get paid for and what can I see the worst things all the time? Um, but, yeah, like, when he was doing the Afghan police... Um, Uh, training he they they had like a camp um and they had like a shared sort of like hot water sort of um, kind of thing um and underneath that was this giant cobra and um and everyone was just like oh yeah like don't mind him just just don't upset him so he would just be getting his like tea and coffee from the camp and there would just be this cobra underneath that he would hope just wouldn't bite him
4: Just, yeah, like, uh, Casual. right. And like what, what is theoretically supposed to be probably the most relaxing part of his day, getting a cup of tea, you have to still worry about a Cobra.
0: <laughs> yeah. And it's like, oh, of course, like the scorpions, like in the boots and, and stuff like that. And these things can kill you. Right. So like, you know, if you have like one bite and you don't notice it, it's almost too late. Um. So yeah, he was just sort of like to- like, so like blasé about it. Just like, oh yeah, I mean yeah, we had this Cobra and then we had some, some spiders, like a spider nest that was poisonous. And I'm just like, Oh God, I love England. There's there's literally nothing that can kill you here.
4: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. The, the most, the thing you have to be the most fearful of is, you know, if you're a pedestrian in London getting hit by a car or something, but you know, that's like every major metropolitan area.
0: Yeah, exactly.
4: And so, um, you know, I, I, what, what sort of kid were you as you were growing up? Like, you know, did you, I guess, immediately get attracted, attracted to, you know, kind of the, the weirdo side of things like, you know, participate or participating in the, you know, artistic route. Were you a sports kid? Where did you find yourself?
0: I was uh, a weird hybrid between the two. So I was sports heavy up until when I got into Slipknot and then I went to proper metal. Right. So like I <laughs> like, like, uh, football, so soccer, I guess for you guys is my, um, is like my number one sport. And I like pay, I played to like I think just below County level. Um, I like, and then I sort of hit secondary school, um, or high school for you guys. And like, I kind of, uh, you know when, like, you're really good and you're, like, you, uh, like middle school kind of thing and you're, like, the best on the team and then you go to secondary school and all these other really good people come in and all of a sudden you're not very good? Um, I just didn't have, like, <laughs> this sort of love for it to get better. And um, I think, like, around about the same time I sort of got into uh, playing guitar and bands and uh, I started listening to Nirvana, Nine Inch Nails, Slipknot, Korn, just basically like, everything on Kerrang! and Scuzz TV. Uh, so it's sort of like a very um, sort of slow uh, progression. And of course, like my football practice stopped being after school and started being uh, at 9 a.m. on Saturdays. And like being a teenager and getting up that early was just, it was just rough. So I just kind of ended up giving that up. Um, but yeah, and then that's, uh, that's when the rift took over.
4: Right. <laughs> I do, I do like that, uh, notion of, you know, when you are playing sports and, you know, your world is, uh, you know, what kind of is right in front of you, AKA, you know, people who are just, you know, playing it because whatever their parents forced them to. And you're just like, oh yeah, I'm pretty good. And then the moment that you like, you know, play a tournament from other areas of the country or whatever, and you're just like, oh, there's a lot of people who are really good at this thing and like better than me. <laughs>
0: Yeah, for sure. And you just sort of like, um, like, and on Friday nights, you, like we had, um, so like, uh, Weirdly Woking is a very Christian town. Um, and we have like a Christ, uh, the Christ Church used to put on shows. Um, and then we have like the YMCA sort of youth centre, which is called the Y-Pod. Um, and they used to always put on like little local shows, like for screamo bands um, and sort of like hardcore bands. Like and like, I think back when I was a kid, uh, death call was a real big thing. Um, so yeah, like I just used to go down on Friday nights and then, yeah, I was too hungover from underage drinking to go to football practice. <laughs> sure.
4: Right. Like, tragic. Right. You go to. Go to a show on Friday night, and you're just like, "Oh yeah, I don't, why? Why am I going to go to soccer practice on on?" It's my, like, seven? "Why i
0: going to throw up?" <laughs> yeah.
4: yeah. exactly. I just I, right. I, I just watched some, you know, seventeen year old children, uh, you know, do this weird hybrid of hardcore and uh, and metal. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so the, I guess, were you raised with any sort of uh, religious strain, being that you were from a town that was, uh, you know, uh, had a heavy weight of Christianity around?
0: Uh, no, not really. I think, um, my, my nan, my nan likes to go to church on like Christmas Eve and that's about it. Like my family are very, um, loose sort of like with religion. I think they would identify as Christian. Um, but they, they're not practicing Do you know what I mean? Like it wasn't ever sort of like, um, implemented into my childhood. They're more into sort of like spiritual stuff. I think like they love, uh, things like, I don't know, do you like know most haunted? No. It was like Derek Acora. It's like, he was like the psychic medium and stuff. They like love, they love uh, tarot cards and, oh, sure. and things like that.
4: Yeah. It's
0: funny because it's very, um, my family are very like, uh, con- like kind of conservative looking and stuff, but if you ask them about things like that, they get really interested. So that's quite fun.
4: Sure. Sure. Yeah. Like the metaphysical sort of, you know, quote unquote new age beliefs of, being in touch with your spirituality knowing that there's probably something larger out there, but they, you know, don't necessarily uh, adhere to the conventions of, you know, whatever Christianity or Catholicism or whatever.
0: Yeah, for sure. Like, and my mom's like big into that stuff. Like she's had like psychic readings and I think she's had one for me done before. And yeah, it's, it's quite, it's quite nice having, um, open man, uh, open-minded family members. So when I told them I was going to be in a band, like, I shout at people, they weren't too, uh, they weren't too shocked.
4: <laughs> sure. <laughs> right. They're like, oh, yeah. Well, Justine is uh, exploring this side of her creative pursuits.
0: <laughs> yeah. Right. She's bent in her own way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
4: Um, and so, you know, when you were in uh, middle school and, and secondary, were you, um, you know, like outgoing? Did you find yourself, you know, being more introverted? I mean, you strike me just from, you know, an outside obs- observation that, you know, you are. Um, I guess, comfortable in your own skin? Um, maybe obviously now, maybe not so much back then, but, um, you know, what kind of person were you?
0: Um, so when I was like young, I, I was uh, very hyperactive, um, uh, outgoing and just like full of energy. Um, and then when I hit secondary school, I got bullied a bit. Uh, so that, so that kind of like made my confidence, uh, plummet a bit, but then after I finished, um, secondary school I went to like college and university and I sort of uh I became loud again <laughs>
4: <laughs> right right so you uh you always had that in there it was just a matter of uh trying to find uh how to express that
0: yeah for sure like I used to like it was a weird mix of like I used to get bullied but I'd always get invited to the older kids house parties so like I don't know I had this weird kind of uh, uh I was on the fringe I guess of being very uncool and cool maybe right. in the middle
4: <laughs> or, or maybe it was because uh, people were uh, comfortable with you being, um, you know, like, like, oh, yeah, we can throw Justine into, you know, a bunch of different situations. And we know that, you know, she'll like she'll probably be fun to be around in some capacity. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. for sure. Because <laughs> some people. Well, yeah. I mean, the reason I say that is because, you know, like you said, you're this sort of, you know, hybrid person being, you know, interested in sports and also interested in, you know, weirdo music and stuff like that. And I I think people that, you know, just stick to one thing and are like either a sports person or, you know, whatever, a music person, of course, this is a gross overgeneralization, but, um, you know, you don't, you don't get that experience of kind of like, okay, well I have to interact with these people. Um, and so, you know, I, I, not assimilate per se, but like, you know, you know how to get along with them and not be like, you know, I'm not going to talk to my friend who's not into metal about, you know, how sick the new Slipknot record is or whatever. Like they're not, they just don't, don't care, you know? So I'll have to find another way to relate to them.
0: Yeah, that's actually, yeah, that's totally right on actually. Um, I think like for me, I just, I like people who are intensely into stuff, so like my uh, my quote unquote day ones like so like people I've known since I was like five they're all in like medicine like one of them's a doctor one of them works in like a lab and stuff but I still kind of like get on really well with them despite the fact we have like completely different worlds um, but I think the the thing that we have in common is like uh, I guess passion for things um, so yeah like it is quite um, I, I just really enjoy talking to anyone about anything they're into even if it's like trains or birds. Like I, I like the idea of bird watching, actually, maybe I should get into that one day,
4: yeah, <laughs> yeah, what are they, is it or, or isn't that the study of birds? I think I don't know, but yeah, but yeah, no, that's a very important point because I think that especially you know as you're growing up, when you are you know just sampling a bunch of things to get into, um I, I think people you know you do find the those really strong friendships by the passion that you exude for whatever it is, you know, and obviously it's usually, you know, music or bands or, you know, sports or what have you. And you're just like, Oh, you like this thing as much as I do. Like let's hopefully our energy bounces off each other and we, you know, learn stuff and we just be excited about the thing.
0: Yeah, for sure. And like, I don't know if you get this as well, but, um, so my life is very much music at the moment. So when I have these friends who are in different worlds, it's very, uh, refreshing when I kind of go and hang out with them. Cause I'm not like, hung up on like a certain band or like if something's not going well in my musical world, like I can kind of like take a step back and I kind of almost felt like I, I have a breather or I can just talk about them about something else completely. Um, it's kind of, I think it's really important to have that balance.
4: Absolutely. And then realize like, ultimately it's like, Oh wow. Like, you know, especially from your perspective of your friends being involved in like literal life-saving work, you're just like, Oh yeah. Like we're talking about music stuff. This is not important.
0: Yeah, yeah, literally. Like, it's so funny because sometimes I come off tour and I, I go, um, I go for dinner with my friend Niche and like, I sometimes go, oh, like, oh, I'm about to say I'm so tired, and she would literally just come off night shifts from like working as a doctor in the hospital, and I have to stop myself going, nope, I'm not gonna say that. She knows, <laughs> but she's not like, she's not bad about it. She wouldn't be like, you don't know what it's like to feel tired. She's very um, humble about it. But yeah, you're just like, you literally probably like, you know, saved lives, and I've just been entertaining people <laughs> right.
4: I've just been yelling into a microphone driving around the country <laughs> yeah. and like what 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 have I done you've done yeah, the, you've exactly. done the real work <laughs> yeah, the uh sure. um, and so then, uh, like you said, as you were kind of, you know, uh, getting pulled into the the music direction and, you know, I, I appreciate you kind of li- listing those bands because I do think, um, you know, I mean, the, like clearly that, uh, you know, whole genre, you know, new metal, like had so many different phases over here in America and captured so many people's attentions. Um, and I think now it's viewed on with uh, you know, kind of reverence, like, you know, because I mean at one point obviously like a band like Limp Biscuit was a punchline. Everyone was just like, Oh dude, no one admits they like Limp Biscuit. Like that's not cool, you know. Whereas now people are just like, Oh yeah, three dollar bill is like a, you know, unbelievable record. And it's like, you know, for a couple of years people were just like, You don't say anything like that, you know? <laughs> like just Yeah,
0: it almost became a like new metal almost became a swear word, didn't it? And I I love new metal. And like I just think because like especially when someone's like my age as well, like um And older, it's because it was just such a it was such a pivotal moment for me getting into music. Is like getting caught on limp Biscuit, uh, Papa Roach, Corn, and like because it had that sort of like the the sort of like the singing as well as the screaming. Because when when you first get into it, it's almost sort of like you need to develop your palate for it. Because if you go from listening to like Red Hot Chili Peppers, like I did, straight into Slipknot, it's just not going to work. So you almost sort of need these kind of like in-between bands like Nirvana, um, like, like especially like Limp Bizkit and Linkin Park as well, because I was um, big into rap and hip-hop and still am. Um, but like in my school, like uh, Eminem was massive. And it's so like obviously Jay-Z as well, like as like they are globally. Um, so when Linkin Park did that uh, reanimation record, um, I was just hooked. And then I obviously checked out their stuff um, through that record. Um, and yeah, and literally just delved into the world like that.
4: No, it's a very good point because I, I think that's, you know, people need to have gateway bands, you know, e- e- whether it's like their first time getting into music or like to your point, whether it's transitioning them into something, um, you know, harder or softer or whatever it is like, you know, because <laughs> especially too, where it's like, you know, say, say you start to go down the, you know, aggressive road and get really into, you know, everything aggressive from metal and hardcore and punk and stuff like that. And then at some point, then you realize, like, oh, yeah, like, I like singing, too. So, like, I can listen to indie rock. <laughs> like, y- you, have, yeah. you have to have all of these junctures as opposed to, you know, going from one thing that everybody listens to to the most extreme version of it. Like, it just it's not sustainable.
0: No, not at all. And, like, I knew um, people growing up, like, who who would just be like, no, nah, I just listened to, like, death metal. Everything else is like like pussy. And like, and then these people like fast forward to now, like they're just like, Oh yeah, I don't know what I was on about. I actually really like Deftones. tones.
4: <laughs> totally. Yeah. It, tr- especially too, when you're younger, it's like you, you make these really, really hard stances against things that, you know, yeah. like p- out of principle, it's like, I don't like that. And you're just like, God, white pony is such a good record. What am I talking about?
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's so profound. Yeah. It's, um, it's so funny. It's just such a, um, yeah, it's, just, it's just growing up, isn't it? You just like, you want to identify with something so badly because you're this absolute, like, I don't know, um, what's the word? Just tragic, like, just trying to find who you are when you're going through puberty. You're just an absolute emotional wreck, just trying to cling on to any little clique or, or like genre or any sort of interest at all. Yeah. Um, but it, yeah. It's, it's,
4: a, it's a, it's a, it's an all or nothing approach. That's, there. <laughs> yeah. it, it's like you're either all of this or you're none of that. And you cannot be any sort of uh there, there there can't be any nuance in your approach. you have to be the most extreme version of whatever it is you're getting into,
0: yeah, exactly i always was your a poser, I think right. that was the tag. <laughs> totally,
4: <laughs> totally um, and so you know, as you started to like you said, you know play guitar and get into this and you know going to your uh, your local y shows and everything like that, um you know i I presume at one point you were looking around and you were just like. Oh yeah, like uh clearly there are not very many girls here or there's just, you know, it's very dude-centric. Um, you know, did that uh like did that ever register to you or did you even ever pay attention to that? You're just like, "Oh, yeah, I recognize it, but you know, obviously it's not going to stop me from, you know, going to these shows or pursuing the music stuff."
0: Um, so because I started off um in sports, I I've almost I've always almost like been immune to like Real, I don't know, just like I hadn't realized it um, for like a very long time, like when I started the band in a weird way. Only like when people would sort of mention it. Just because like when I first started playing sports um, in middle school, there weren't many girls teams. So sometimes they'd have to do um, mixed gender teams. So I was just kind of like I was kind of used to being a very male heavy environment. Um, so, yeah, like fast forward when we started doing like bands and stuff, it was just sort of almost like a another day in the office, as it were. Um, but yeah, like it's, it was like definitely, um, the, the, like girls in bands were definitely scarce. Like when I first started the band, um, I don't know if you know, a band called Roth Massey. Um, yes, yeah, yeah. Very good. But like when Eva started when she was 14, back in 2005, I think there definitely wasn't girls in bands then, like, especially in this kind of heavy music. Um, like she tells me like horror stories of about things like people have said to her and, and things like that. Like I, I think it's such a, a massive step up fast forward to twenty twenty where it's just um well, I just think it's booming. I mean, there's so many bands, like you had um you got Punch, like who I sort of first started getting like they were like the first Death Wish band um I got properly into. Oh nice. Um and then uh who else? And then Oathbreaker, who from Belgium, so across the pond. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, you got like loads of bands like that. And like, obviously Venom Prison, which I mentioned before, who like sort of came in later on. Um, but yeah, there's, there's lots of them around for sure.
4: Yeah, absolutely. I just, so it's, I mean, I know from the, you know, opposite side of the <laughs> gender spectrum of being like, you know, when I started to go to shows in the, the mid nineties and then just being like, oh yeah, like, you know, this is like 99.9% dudes. And it's like, anytime I saw a girl at a show, it was always like, what are you doing here? Like, this is so cool. Like, <laughs> and, and then, how did you know
3: about this? To, to, did you to-
4: get- yeah, totally. I'm just like, uh, Oh, that like, that's cool. Cause like, I I mean, honestly, my naive brain at a certain point was just like, I, I didn't even know that like, you know, girls could come to like aggressive music shows. And that's an, Of course, an extreme, <laughs> I, I didn't actually believe that, but it was just like, wow, that's cool. And then, you know, over time it started to become more pervasive where it was just like, Oh yeah. It's not just like, you know, the girlfriend of, you know, the singer of the band or whatever. It was like, Oh yeah. <laughs> yes.
0: boredly looking at then he was going, oh, oh God, I just want to go out to dinner.
4: <laughs> totally. Totally. And I, I think my, my view is also because I, uh, in high school, I dated a girl that was like super into ska. And so like, we would go to each other's shows. Like she would go to my hardcore shows and I'd go to her ska shows. Um, which in retrospect was so painful for her. It was like, you know, watching like vision of disorder and bloodlet just being like, Oh my gosh, like I want to kill myself versus oh, me. Yeah, who's watching.
0: Whole section. Yeah,
4: totally. I, But then I'm watching, you know, whatever horrible bands, like Bim Bim or whatever, and being like, Oh yeah, yeah. this, this sucks, oh. but it's still fun.
0: <laughs> yeah.
4: But yeah, it, it, it was, uh, it, it, I mean, it's cool that, like you said, your perspective was, was uh, already sort of colored by the fact that you were just like, well, yeah, like I I'm, I'm just pursuing this because I like it as opposed to like, you know, me feeling outnumbered or whatever.
0: Yeah, for sure. And like, you know, when I was younger as well, like I just used to look up to football players like David Beckham, Michael Owen, uh, Alan Shearer, like people like that. Cause like even like women's football at the time wasn't, um, wasn't a thing. Well, it was a thing, but like definitely more underground.
4: Right, 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 right. And so so, I was sort of like
0: still looking at like Corey Taylor and right. And like, uh, I tried like Randy Blythe from like Lamb of God. I was just like, oh yeah, they're sick vocalists. I want to try and be like them.
4: Right. Right. And did you, uh, did you care about school? Like, did you have kind of a vision of what you wanted to be when you grow up, when you grew up?
0: Um, no, actually, like I literally, um, I don't even know. So I, when I, when I was younger, I actually really wanted to be, um, a paleontologist. (laughs) (laughs)
4: <laughs> that is good. And then, uh, Did you watch Jurassic yeah, Park and then like get oh, into it? Yeah, I was okay. big into that. Like,
0: yeah, for sure. Like as you can tell, I was a huge, huge tomboy. But um, <laughs> yeah, we have this really sick uh, natural history museum uh, in in London, and like we have like one of the the best dinosaur collections. Um, I, I still go there fondly every now and then. Um, but yeah, I used to like go there most weekends. My uh, my aunts and uncles would take me. But um, yeah, anyway. So yeah, I went from dinosaurs to to media studies.
4: <laughs> That's funny. Um, One, Yeah. <laughs> One transition into another.
0: Maybe it's because I really like Jurassic Park. And I'm like, well, if I don't get to meet the dinosaurs, maybe I could film them, I guess. <laughs> maybe <laughs> <loose> yeah. Connection.
4: <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe I could do that. Um, so did you, uh, I guess, did you pursue, uh, you know, college university, um, after you graduated secondary school?
0: Yeah. So I, I did, um, what did I do? I did filming, uh, in college and then in university I studied 3d animation because for a while I wanted to get into special effects. Oh,
5: okay. Um,
0: but then I quickly realized that I was by far the chattiest person on my course. And then when I went to, um, like one of the sort of work experience days, they went to the moving picture company which does like loads of like really sick um, things. I think they did Inception and stuff like that. Uh, they like showed us around, and one of the floors, which would be like the thing that I was specialising in, was literally uh, they had pulled all the curtains because they they were in with the colour graders. So I literally, we walked into this office of almost silence and like just tapping and like dark room. And I was just like, I can't, I can't be in this environment. I think people get pissed off with me. <laughs>
4: yeah, that's a ama- that's amazing that you. <laughs> But you were like, you saw your future and you were like, I can't be in this room. Like,
0: <laughs> no, because like, I, I think like I got on really well with everyone, in my course and stuff. But I was by far the sort of like the class clown and just sort of like they were very like computer orientated people. And God, animation, like, I mean, hats off to them. You're literally like working hours um just to do five seconds and it's soul destroying. Like it's so hurtful when you just kind of go, Oh, I've done for the day. Press play and you're like, Oh, I've done like literally five seconds.
4: Yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah. <laughs> I I have put, you know, so many man hours into making this uh, you know, character's arm move a millimeter or whatever. Yeah. And it
0: still looks weightless and useless. So you're just sort of like, that doesn't even look real. I've just like, and you kind of want to have a little mental breakdown.
4: (laughs) (laughs) That's true. That's true. I I guess if, right, you have to look at, uh, uh, you have to be a personality that, uh, you know, relishes in the small victories where it's like, you can't look at the big picture because then, yeah, your soul will be destroyed.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, my lecturer blessing, like he, he totally sort of cottoned onto this and he was like, you know, oh well, you know, maybe you could be like a, a producer or something. You like, you like people, <laughs> like just trying to sort of, like, you know, you can, you can do something else. Right? Yeah, you could. <laughs> right. You,
4: the the road that you were building for yourself uh, you ran into a wall, but yeah, you could probably do these other things.
0: Yeah, why not? You know, you can talk chats people. You like doing that.
4: Right. 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 <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Were your, um, I mean, like you said, your parents were, uh, supportive over you getting into, you know, kind of weirdo music, but was there ever a point where they were, you know, like, I I don't, uh, I don't understand this at all. And, um, it's cool that she's exploring this, but you know, I'm kind of, I'm kind of nervous for her as well.
0: Yeah, I think like when I, so, um, they were stoked that I got a degree, um, because I think apart from my aunt. Um, we're like the only ones in the family, with a degree. And it was like a real, real thing. Cause like I was, I fared quite well, uh, in, uh, academic things. So they were just like, Oh, go to university, go get a degree. So I got that. So once like that sort of satisfied them for a bit. And then, uh, I worked at this sort of like Apple reseller kind of franchise thing. And I did that for a couple of years and they're like, Oh, you know, so like, you know, are you, uh, are you going to, you're going to get a job in animation or what were you going to do for like a career kind of thing? um but then fortunately i started interning at holy raw uh holy raw records which i work at now um and then like from there because i i interned there one day a week and i worked at the uh sort of (laughs) fake apple store um for like the the rest of the week i kind of like managed to sort of transition into full-time at holy raw so like ever since then like i've kind of like made a career out of it um it's like now they're kind of uh they're uh, happy for my future I think right it's just a classic parent thing isn't it just wanting wanting your kids to support themselves I think sure sure
4: (laughs) and I I think that you know the the fear comes in it's not so much of the that they don't understand it because you know most generate you know the generational divide between parents and their their kids is you know obvious but ultimately it's just like the are you gonna be okay like what I mean working at a record label is that gonna be okay and you're like yeah yeah yeah, it's okay yeah totally it's fine you know, yeah.
0: Oh yeah, it's totally different for right. sure. Yeah, because like uh, going back to my dad, like he he's from North Wales, um, and like his like only options for employment were sort of like mainly the army, basically. So he just sort of went for that. So like the idea that I can sort of potter about talking to bands and stuff for a living is, uh, is much better than going to the army.
4: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's a much more, uh, con- convenient lifestyle.
0: <laughs> yeah. I hear it's safer as well. So, um, that's right. always good.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's true. Yeah. As long as you don't, uh, cross, cross a band and, uh, you know, not pay them royalties and then they, uh, you know, they, they send a uh, mafia member to come put a hit on you or something, but that was in yeah. the 80s. So I think, yeah, yeah, sure. I think we're past that. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Uh, and I think like heroin's not a good career move as well. And true. You know, I think if you stay away from that kind of stuff, I think you're pretty golden.
4: Yeah, I would agree with you. Um, and so then you, when you were, you know, starting to play guitar and, and going to shows and everything like that, was it always like, did it occur to you pretty early that you wanted to play in a band or was that something that kind of developed a little bit later?
0: Um, so I, uh, since like I got into that kind of music, uh, I was playing a band, but, I was so sort of hyperactive and impatient that I kind of like, I didn't sort of take the time to get really good at guitar. You know, when you hear like about really good guitarists, like being antisocial, sitting in their rooms, like playing guitar for a whole summer, that just, that wasn't me. Like I was sort of bouncing off the walls, like going outside and like hanging out with friends and stuff all the time. So um, it wasn't until I was like 18 or 19 um that my boyfriend at the time he's like now my husband uh which like oh hey like you know why didn't you start doing vocals um and then uh yeah it started started from there really
4: nice nice that's <laughs> i do like uh, you painting that picture of just being like uh yeah i wasn't spending hours in my room playing guitar like i was playing 10 minutes at the most and then i had to go on to the next thing
0: <laughs> yeah literally like a fly i was uh yeah my attention spans bad. It's something I've had to really work on in adult life. Maybe I have uh, undiagnosed ADHD probably. Right. Yeah.
4: <laughs> so maybe maybe some medication can help that. <laughs> yeah. Um and was it always the you know I guess how did you um you know fall into the the have you always done vocals for all the bands that you've played in or was it a mixture of you sampling around a bunch of stuff?
0: Yeah, so like um at the very beginning I had like a little electronic project and I was like 14, 15 and I did like fruit loops kind of stuff um so like I did a bit of that and then um I sort of stopped from then on I kind of just did um what do I do yeah I just did vocals um uh, from then on really yeah and like employed serves like my first band um so yeah that's still my only band
4: I know that's uh that and that's really weird that's not common I hope you understand that <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah,
0: yeah <what? laughs> I think I've learned like through my friends like all the things to not do I guess I don't know
4: yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think, cause usually you, you know, you, you play in like terrible local bands and you know, you're awful for, you know, whatever, a couple of years. And then, you know, you play in something that's a little bit more professional that, you know, you can feel comfortable putting out records or whatever. So yeah, you're lucky. That's good.
0: Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and like, uh, before that I sort of did a lot of music photography. I was really big into that. So I was quite close to a lot of bands. Like I kind of like, heard sort of like murmurings of what what was going wrong in their band and things. And I, was, I think I took mental note, fortunately.
4: Right, right. No, that's good. That's good.
3: Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured, not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value.
4: Um, and so, you know, as you started to get out there with, you know, employee to serve and people started paying attention to it and, you know, you started to play shows and everything like that, um, you know, when did it, I guess, f- feel, uh, you know, quote unquote real to you where it's like, oh yeah, like, you know, I mean, clearly you're, you've worked with Holy War Records, like not only as your job, but, you know, you've worked with them putting out your records and stuff like that. Um. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it doesn't have to be as, as something as, you know, huge as like, Oh yeah, I remember when we played our first, you know, sold out show in front of 400 people or whatever, but like, you know, when did it feel like there was, uh, I guess, momentum for lack of a better term?
0: I think when we did our second album, the warmth of dying sons like release show, it was in this 150 uh, cap venue called the old blue last. And I just remember being like so anxious before the show, like going, Oh my God. Like, what if no one turns up? Like, this is going to be really embarrassing. And, like, genuinely getting, you know, when you throw a party and you're scared no one's going to come. Like, I was getting, like, really like that. And then I, because um, I was, like, upstairs, like, because I was quite nervous as well. Um, and I went downstairs to the venue just as, like, the first band started playing. I literally couldn't get in the room. And I was like, oh, like, you know, it's, it's like, over capacity, And I was like, oh, this is, this is, wow, wow, this is crazy. And then in my, in my head, I was still like, oh, maybe it's just because, you know, all the other bands are here. They might, like, leave after and not watch us and then yeah like it was yeah it was one of the most mad shows like it's even like after like playing like the roundhouse of very tomorrow in december and stuff which is like all amazing but it's when you do your first like proper headline show and it's like that that's when you like really feel like oh like people people really care
4: yeah totally like people are here and they are participating in what it is that we are putting out there
0: yeah for sure and you're like oh people actually like know this they're not you know, they're not just here by accident. They're not sort of like held against their will. They actually like paid to come here.
4: Right. Yeah. It's not just like a Saturday night activity. It's like, no, there's, you know, people are committed to this thing. They've they've <laughs> yeah. paid money to this thing. This is, this is, wow. Yeah, I get it. No, and I, I appreciate that uh, snapshot because I do think that it's easy to, um, you know, especially like at, once you kind of get on the treadmill of, you know, putting out records and being, you know, the, uh, you know, in the music business as it were, when you actually stop and be like oh wow like these people have you know taken the time out of their day they've taken their hard-earned money and they're investing it towards this particular band or music project that's what it's like oh yes that's important
0: yeah for sure especially when you kind of think loads of people complain about their jobs not only are they spending their money but they spend hours like doing something they hated to earn it to spend on you so it's a it's a real privilege (laughs)
4: yeah no absolutely Uh, And when you started to get out there and, you know, tour, I know touring in the UK is clearly much different than touring in Europe and, you know, touring in the States, um, you know, which clearly you've done. I mean, you got you have not come to the States. Am I crazy about that or no?
0: No, you're correct. Um, But we are coming this summer um, and we're announcing it soon. OK, great. Uh, Very, very, very excited about it. We've literally had our visa forms filled in for four years because we've had a couple of things like sure. come up and fall through we've been hurt many times so hope uh, yeah this should it should happen for sure
4: got it got it so when you started to get out there and tour um uh, did you immediately like it did you have to grow to like it where where did you end up on the spectrum
0: uh, i loved it like so i started touring when i was 21 yeah like 21 so like i was still in like party mode and I was just like, oh yeah, we're like, like (laughs) free beer all the time. Yeah. Like I was just like, I hit hit the, and then like a couple like days and I realized you can't drink loads every day and be okay. And then, uh, (laughs) and then I kind of like mellowed out and I was like, yeah, this is still sick. Um, Yeah. I like, I literally love it. Like even um, fast forward six years, I'm just like, this is still my favorite part of being in a band. I just really like the, the sort of camaraderie you get on tour, like with other bands. And I have like, so many great friendships formed by touring or through this band that you know like um so like we uh i got married to the the guitarist of our band uh sammy like on new year's eve this year um and like all like almost all my wedding party was like people from music or people i'd like met through the band or holy royal and i was like this is this is amazing um, so, yeah, I love touring, basically. Right.
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. And I mean, it, it clearly, it suits your personality of y- you not being in a darkened room, making, you know, an arm move uh, a millimeter. It's like, yeah, you, you want to be a uh, person amongst the people.
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah, I definitely, definitely do. I have to watch myself sometimes because I don't want to be that first, like, on the first day of tour, that person that comes up to you, go, oh, hello, I'm Justine. And they're like, oh, God, go away. I'm still tired. <laughs>
4: <laughs> right. I, I was, a, I was actually going to bring that up because I, I think that you, uh, you know, Pete, I mean, I've, we, we have mutual friends, but no one has ever said this about me. So this is me, uh, uh casting a, uh, uh, a description of you that, uh, you know, is probably not applicable, but might have been echoed in some capacity that, you know, uh, people such as yourself who are, you know, enthusiastic and passionate can sometimes be viewed as a punisher where you're just like, you know, Oh my gosh, like I'm so excited to talk to you. And people are just yeah. like, can you calm down? Um, have, pe- have people um I guess said that about you or are you uh, aware of that or is that something that you try to um like you said are, are conscious about not being that overwhelming person
0: I think like working in retail for so many years and like just sort of just being in social situations and being punished myself like so many times I've I like to think I've kind of built this self-awareness so I sort of like I pick and choose my moments I kind of like I'll go up to sort of like the buffet table and be like, hey, man. And then bit inside, I'll be like wanting to talk to them. And then eventually I'll say more words.
4: <laughs> right. You're like, I got to slow roll this. I can't.
0: Yeah.
4: <laughs> right. I can't be I can't be the, the person that uh, sucks the air out of the room and is like, you know, trying to meet all 20 band members in one day.
0: Yeah, I've got to bottleneck my personality for a little bit. And then uh, and then I'm all good.
4: <laughs> well, that, I mean, that's good because I, I do think that that's part of growing up and being aware of yourself because you know whatever when you were probably 15 or 16 years old yeah you were you know probably the bull in the china shop and being like hey everybody
0: (laughs) yeah it's like in theory like everyone likes watching spongebob but if they knew a spongebob in their life it would be very annoying (laughs) so you don't (laughs) want to be a spongebob
4: i literally have never thought about it in those terms but that just broke my brain you're so (laughs) you're (laughs) so right you're so right maybe you need to
0: be a bit of Squidward and a bit of SpongeBob and you're golden. Yeah, that's true.
4: I never, yeah. Maybe just another word for Punisher is just, yeah, just, just don't be a SpongeBob.
0: Yeah. Like no one gets that excited over flipping burgers. Why? <laughs> no
4: I love that. I love that. Um, and working, uh, like you said, you know, working at Holy Roar and, you know, writing for Kerrang and stuff like that and being able to, to, you know, kind of transition your passions into being able to, um, you know, create a living for yourself. Uh, you know, a lot of people. I mean, like I mentioned earlier, like I, I worked for you know Century Media for about like ten years or so, and the the feedback that I got from so many people as I started to kind of work at a record label was like twofold. One, you have to be careful that your personal tastes don't trump any sort of uh you know business endeavors. Like you know what you like, maybe not is the best thing to sign like you know there's there's been times where a person's like oh yeah you don't have to sign that band you can just buy their next record and it's like oh yeah you're right (laughs) yeah uh has has that like have you noticed that in yourself as well like or is that pieces of advice that people have you know kind of offered up in in a similar fashion
0: do you know i'm i'm genuinely like this isn't a lie but i genuinely love every band that's on holy raw um, like as, because we are a smaller label than someone like Century Media, I think that gives us the freedom to solely work with bands that we like. Cause there's no, no bands where we're like, oh, we're not like a hundred percent on them, but we know they'll sell records. Like there's, there's none of that in Holy Raw. Um, so I'm in this like really sweet spot where I know like, if I went to like a, you know, if we got like really big or if I went to a bigger label or whatever, I know that would change. Um, so like, yeah, like I can totally see that being a thing. Like, I, I guess it's something we might have to, uh, look into as we grow as a label, because obviously at the end of the day, you've got to pay your bills. Um, but yeah, like I, it must be like, it must be really hard. It's kind of like that as well. When you like pick touring buddies, you're kind of like, oh, they don't sell any tickets, but I really like them. Right.
4: <laughs> they're uh, a band's and, band. Right. Uh,
0: yeah, exactly. You're just like, oh, they're my, they're my, like my bros and stuff. And you know. But they'll literally bring like their girlfriends or boyfriends and that's it. Um, So yeah, like I I guess like for sure, like it must be so hard, um, especially for like major labels as well, um, like having to sort of like separate that because you'd be like, oh, this band, like, I mean, they might sell like 10 percent of the pressing, but they're really cool.
4: Right. And it's like, well, yeah, (laughs) and you you do. I mean, like once you start to talk about. You know business implications and and all of these other things that you know at, at the end of the day you understand why they exist and why these labels have to make the decisions that they do. Um, you know, but being able to weigh the pros and cons of like, oh yes, like I will just remain a fan of this band, and I realize that I can't, you know, I can't strike up a, a business conversation with them or whatever because you know, negative four people are going to buy the record or whatever.
0: <laughs> yeah, just you will buy the record precisely, but you can it for free because you work for them so. <laughs>
4: Yeah, totally. It's like, yeah, I don't need to put, I don't need to put out this record in order to sink the label and lose people's jobs just because I want to buy it. Like they'll they'll probably <laughs> figure out another way to put it out or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> uh and then another the kind of the, the second thing that, you know, people always echoed at me was the, you know, like blending the sort of, you know, passion and and business. Uh, it can sometimes be, um, you know, you work so hard because you care so much about it, but being able to kind of, uh, separate the two things to where it's like, well, like, you know, at, at the end of the day, this is a job and yes, you're working with something you're passionate about, but, you know, being able to kind of separate those two. And I mean, I guess that goes back to an earlier point of what you are saying, having friends outside of the music industry can kind of keep you, you know, balanced. But is that a, is that a thought process that you kind of have to, you know, keep in your mind or is that something you're not concerned about?
0: Oh like one hundred percent it's just a thing I have to like consciously uh check in with like so like the whole like one of the, a, a big reason why uh I decided to get employed to serve scientists by farm was because like I found it very difficult um muddying the waters between holy raw and employed to serve so that my job and my sort of passion projects and it was becoming quite difficult to sort of like compartmentalize them because i I didn't want to like um like spend too much time on my own band so what i'd do is i would overcompensate by ignoring my own band sometimes uh and i was like yeah this isn't good so like i in the end we sort of like um parted ways but obviously i, I still work for holy Rock, uh and, and likewise in, in life as well because i i literally like i come home and i i do music stuff with ets or like i've got a few side projects that i'm starting up as well and then I, I work with music You like you just literally have to have um sort of like other hobbies like at the moment I try to go running or I read books like just to sort of make sure I shut off from music because otherwise you just get burnt out like I kind of felt like that about two years ago after I come off a really long tour and I went straight back into working and I was just sort of like almost like I kind of lost my sort of uh, my energy for it and I started like noticing it and I was like oh I can't let this happen like I have to sort of make sure that I take holidays or like I just shut off for a while, and that's not even like um, meaning like I stop listening to music for a few days. It just means like I just don't go on Instagram for a bit or um, I don't talk about band stuff or work stuff like with anyone for like a few days. Um, but yeah, like I think it's I think it's a, a thing for everyone in in all walks of life really. Like any like sort of work thing that kind of dominates your sort of life, um, you have to sort of like spend some time um, you know, spreading out in other ways, really.
4: Yeah. No, it's true. Yeah. They're, I mean, the proverbial work-life balance that, you know, most people chase, it's like you, even if you're working with something that you're passionate about, you need to be able to, like you said, step away from it and turn it off and be like, okay, like (laughs) this has to be sustainable for the rest of my life in some capacity. Otherwise you'll just turn up, a you know, jaded 33 year old and being like, music is the worst. I hate it. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah i remember when i enjoyed music <laughs> totally
4: totally yeah yeah i mean it, it and it, it's funny too because like I, I reflect on that with people who i mean i myself am and still straight edge but like there are other people who it's like you know the ones who shout the loudest about you know being straight edge from you know 16 to 23 or whatever are the ones who you know whatever two or three years after they stop being straight edge are just like oh that was the worst and it's just like what like you can not be it anymore and not talk crap. Like, you know, it's just that 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 juxtaposition where it's just like, it's never made any sense to me why you just like do a complete 180 and you're like, oh yeah, the music's the worst, straight edge is the worst or whatever. It's like, well. <laughs> yeah,
0: they're like, oh, that's cute. You still put X's on your hands. It's just like, <laughs> oh man, like you were as well. Totally. Yeah, it's so funny. But that's that's like totally um, a reflection of their personality. It's like, there's so many people in like, you meet through life who are all or nothing. Like, I know this, like, one guy who, like, you know, the classic, like, oh, I'm a carnivore. Now I'm a vegan. Now I'm a Christian. And, like, I think he actually went Muslim as well at one point. And I'm just like, I I don't know where you're at. Like, I mean, like, power two, you're obviously finding lots of different things to get into. But you're literally just sort of, like, watching him like a ping pong ball go from different things to another. Um, I think, like, yes, it's it's so interesting because, like, you know, some people just don't grow out of that.
4: Yeah, absolutely. And especially, too, when uh, it it doesn't seem like there is a consistent through line from one transition to the other, you know, where it's like it's going from one thing... there's no um you know to to our earlier point of like it's not like you're going from you know uh, a pop band to you know slipknot to death metal it's like you go from you know a pop band to death metal it's like wait, there there's no transition point i don't understand how you're going from this to this
0: <laughs> yeah you are just leapfrogging everything Where's your process <laughs>
4: totally yeah yeah it's like oh i'm not i'm not christian i'm muslim and it's just like well i mean they're both religions but like you know they're like pretty vastly different from one another <laughs> yeah it's literally like it's so
0: mad like <laughs> Totally, totally. It's quite interesting seeing them update their Facebook pages and stuff and be like, Oh, so what you're into this week? Um, <laughs> yeah. It's just this good thing. You always want to grab them and be like, do you know what, man? Like it's okay to be into different things that don't fit into other, th- you know, you can like, pe- you can cherry pick from different things if you want. You don't have to identify as anything.
4: Yeah. Right. Or, or yeah, or you can kind of sit somewhere in the, the weird middle, which is frankly where most people sit. <laughs>
0: yeah exactly a bit more rounded
4: yeah (laughs) yeah exactly um the last thing i want to hit on was something that you you mentioned earlier um where you know you got married to the guitarist in your band um and you know many people uh look at uh the structure of bands and the collaborative process and you know how much time you spend together and all of that and be like Okay, because you know, usually most bands like once they become you know professional touring artists, um, you know they come home and they kind of separate from one another. <laughs> they they give each other space from that perspective, but you know clearly you've uh, attached yourself pretty deeply not to the, only the, to the band but uh, your significant other. I am um, sure most people are just like, that's uh, that's that's wild. You are doing a lot of things together. Hopefully that'll that'll work. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, clearly, uh, it's something that you, you've put a lot of thought into, um, both of you, um, you know, but is it, uh, is it something where you guys have, um, these kind of, you, you know, uh, your, I guess your own spaces to exist to be like, oh yes, like, you know, we do have, you know, we're not completely attached to at the hip 24 seven.
0: Oh yeah. hundred percent. So like Sammy and I started dating when we were 16 years old. Um, so like we sort of, we basically kind of grew up together um like in a relationship so before we started employed to serve we'd been go- going out for like five years or something like that so we were sort of very comfortable with each other and sort of like had like so you know like when people first start dating they're attached to the hip and then then like a few years on they sort of coexist kind of thing sure. uh so we would already sort of got to that stage in our relationship well before then um and then uh and then yeah, like and and as people like we're very, I don't know, we just we're just not very argumentative and like we're quite chill people and we also we kind of go off and do our own things quite often. Like I'll go read or like and he'll do something else. Like so we're very like good at sort of separating ourselves when needed and and like when it comes to band stuff and like if anything comes like goes badly with a band, we sort of like have a, like a little rule where if like you know we spend more than twenty minutes like getting annoyed and discussing it and stuff like we just sort of like leave it and just like do something else um you know like yeah just sort of like ignore thing it's almost like what other couples do you just have like date nights and things like that you kind of like compartmentalize things because there's so many couples who like you know run businesses together and and work together it's kind of almost like a similar thing really
4: sure yeah that's to say and to your point too because you guys have built the foundation of a relationship uh you know separate from the band uh you guys know each other you know deeply beyond just being like oh yeah we met through this band and you know that's kind of like our identity that's wrapped up into it like your relationship exists beyond that you know
0: oh yeah for sure and he's got like other bands that I'm not in um and like yeah we just like have like different friendship groups as well and it's a it's a healthy mix i think and like also I, well, I, like another thing as well like all bands have like a, a mum and dad figure and ours is just a bit more traditional <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah you're literally yeah you're literally the mother and the father of it <laughs> so um
0: yeah That's it kind of works well
4: right um I actually thought of one more thing uh, to ask you before I let you go was the, uh, you know, just because you have uh, been involved in so much of the business side of things and the music business. And yes, you are at, you know, working at a label, like you said, where, you know, you like all the bands and, you know, all of these uh, things are coexisting um, amongst each other. Well, now, especially with the separation of, you know, Holy Roar and employed to serve where, you know, you're someone else is actually able to help you with the band. Um, But do you, you obviously enjoy the, business of music um so it, was that something that you had to um I guess grow accustomed to or did you immediately kind of take to it and enjoy that aspect of it
0: uh I think I took to it quite um quite quickly so like I, I'm quite uh an anxious person as well so like the the idea of like knowing what's going on and having plans and stuff like really suits me well Um, so I think I naturally sort of gravitate to sort of like organizational things and you know taxes and making sure I don't get in trouble and just like all these kind of things that like I get worried about I'm very like I like to do stuff about them so I don't have to worry about them so yeah I literally just sort of like as soon as the band started I sort of like made sure I knew about like release plans like I knew like what time we were leaving and, and just things like that so it was one of those things I kind of I sort of uh melded into very quickly
4: got it got it and then you um i mean doing the, the label side of things uh w- you feeling like you couldn't really um you know work on your band because you feel like people would be like oh of course justine like you know of course you know employed to is yeah. gonna get this cool thing um did you <laughs> i guess did you recognize it in yourself or was it something that someone kind of like jokingly brought up to you and then you started to realize that
0: uh, I think it was a, a bit of both so like because um Alex and I the uh so Alex is the label owner of Holy Raw like yeah we have like we do things properly we have like staff appraisals and stuff like that so we like we sort of like touch base and we like discuss things like this and we sort of both agreed that it would look bad if um like I, I posted about employee to serve too often on the Instagram or or things like that so um yeah it's sort of like a you know a general thing really
4: got it got it. that makes sense yeah <laughs> rather than you know the bands and the label being like uh, hey Justine um, you, you're only promoting your own band
0: <laughs> yeah
4: that'd be a weird no, maybe
0: you could uh, give us a win sometime <laughs> it's like in uh, Talladega Nights I don't know if you watched it absolutely yeah he's just sort of like hey Ricky maybe you could let me win one day and uh, he's like no like, but then I won't win
4: <laughs> right yeah but no you're, yeah. <laughs> you're always second dude you're fine <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Justine. This was really fun. I appreciate you spending time with me.
0: Oh, thank you for having me. Um, yeah, as I said, I really enjoy your podcast. This is sick.
4: That is what is up. So thank you very much, Justine, for coming on the show. I always, uh, yeah, it's just, I don't know. I mean, we're whatever. We're like almost 400 episodes into this thing. And uh, it just always makes me happy when people agree to be on the podcast. Like I know maybe it should be some sort of routine now at this point, but uh, I'm just, I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled to have these discussions and share them with you. So thank you, Justine. And uh, next week we got Sam. I'm totally going to butcher his last name. Xiamorento. I think so. But Sam is from drain. He's the vocalist of an amazing hardcore band out of the Northern California slash Santa Cruz area. Just released their debut LP on revelation records. And I love the band so much. I saw them at Sound and Fury for the first time last year and fell in love with them and just love what they do. So I wanted to have Sam on, and that's exactly what happened. So that's what we got next week. Look forward to it. And until then, like I always say, but I mean it oh so much more now than ever. Please be safe, everybody.
5: The show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Trust me in saying that no matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all of the difference.